before we get started, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It only takes a couple of seconds, and most likely you're probably on either one of those apps this very moment. A little bit of effort on your end goes a very long way in getting this podcast to as many people as possible. We're all on this journey of awakening and self-discovery. Let's help some other people tune in and listen to these authentic, connected, inspiring conversations. I won't talk your ear off anymore. We got a great episode, and here it is. Welcome to Opening Presence, the podcast about creative self-realization. My name is Aaron Robinson. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's episode, I sit down with newlyweds Kim and Daniel Mason. A few weeks ago, I visited them at their home in Dallas, Texas, where I got some much-needed Southern hospitality with all the fixins. In this conversation, we discuss life-changing events in childhood, the building blocks of a healthy relationship, and experiencing God in all of its miraculous forms. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with a friend. Now, without further ado, welcome to Opening Presence. Welcome to Opening Presence. My name is Aaron Robinson. Thank you so much for joining us. I have a giant smile on my face because I am in Dallas, Texas, visiting two of my favorite people in the entire world, Kim and Daniel Mason. What's up? Hey, hey, good morning. What's happening? <laughs> Happy to have you here. I know. 11, oh, 11. and I and I can't I cannot uh uh forget about um our three uh furry little friends. Would you like to introduce um, our friends first, and then you can introduce yourselves? Absolutely. We have um, the eldest and the wisest, Kevin, our 14-year-old dachshund. Fred, um, very handsome but very dumb, our 10-year-old dachshund. <laughs> and then Lady, our little trash panda, our little chihuahua, also 10 Who years old. Who runs the show. Who runs the show, yes, for sure. <laughs> we all have our own little emotional support animal today. Seriously, I'm feeling a little neglected because Fred is cheating on me with his father. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> well, <Awkward. look. laughs> he just loves me so much. That's all. He does. He's a he is a lover. He yeah. was my dog before he was yours. He was. Yeah, but this weekend he's been like all over Aaron's me. Dog. Yeah. yeah, he's been my shadow. And who are you two people? Oh yeah, right. So you go first. You've known him longer. Uh, my name is Daniel. Uh, I've been one of Aaron's best friends for quite some time now. I uh, don't even know when it goes back to. We graduated in 07, and it was all a blur from there. Um, <laughs> a few years before that, obviously, though, you know, playing baseball together over the years and um, playing at Chase Field, regardless of what you know other people say. <laughs> you didn't play there, but you uh, didn't no. play there. Yeah, we have a friend who uh, I grew up like in southern carlsbad and daniel and everybody else like grew up in like northern carlsbad so like they were like playing in a different baseball league than i was playing in and then as i was transitioning into like carlsbad high school so like 
spending more time with that friend group and stuff like there's like a field in in like a specific baseball field in Carlsbad and we we're all at our friend Matt's jacuzzi and one of the people there told me that I didn't play baseball at this specific Carlsbad field and uh I think he wanted to beat my ass because I said that I was, I was like, "Oh yeah, if I, this is a perfectly reasonable uh, yeah. That's a reason thing to fight, fight about." It's like, <laughs> yeah. the Carlsbad pride ran deep. Yeah, in that one. Most definitely, yeah. So childhood, one of one of many best friends, but in the small small group, you're like in the, yeah, you're in the top ranks. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah, and who's this lady over here? All right, I'm Kim. I just married this one. <laughs> I'm the laugh. <laughs> she married Daniel into Mason. the family. Married up. For I sure. did. That's Look for at the sure. presents we have. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so where'd you guys uh, like? We're gonna go all over the place because it's like we've been honestly just like kicking it. This trip for me has been kind of like the right thing at the right time because I've I've felt kind of I don't want to say like isolated in Portland, but just very like zone focused there's not like a ton of distraction or there's not like it's there's not like a place to to kind of like detach from like the societal uh, collective pressure of a city that identifies so much with uh social issues like they link their identity to it and it's just like okay who are you outside of these things so for me to be able to obviously like spend time with you guys but then to break away from this uh energy that i've been in proximity to for so long has just been great and it, i told you like as soon as i got here i was like yo like i don't care if we just kick it like here all day like i'm already happy um but yeah just thank you so much for the hospitality and i i've been like just learning a lot about the both of you like since i've been here just because we're different people now like like Daniel and I, like we talk on the phone, like you and I talk on the phone, like pretty frequently over the last number of years, but mm -hmm. we have, we've changed so much and we've turned into the men or moved towards like the men that we want to be. Next stage of life. Yeah, most definitely. And, um, I don't know. I, it's just a beautiful thing to kind of like connect again right. when we're like adults and it's like, shit, you're fucking married now. Yeah. What is, what is like your kind of journey been from like I guess like growing up in Carlsbad or like kind of like highlight what your experience was um in your relationship to that city and maybe like what it gave you or what you learned um in applying those things and deciding what you want out of your life because I don't think we've ever talked about like life philosophy because I know in you in my life you've always been somebody who's just been super kind and and uh wanting to do good by the people that are in your life but yeah like dive in a little bit about home and what it means to you yeah great question um i mean shoot we're all just out here faking it more or less right <laughs> and i can't think back to one particular situation and be like okay well actually that's a lie so i was reading a travel blog and i was and i stumbled upon some pictures of thailand and was like i'm going there that's fucking gorgeous. Like, I'm getting there. And uh, it was a picture of whatever the island was. Don't even remember. And that's where I kind of got the itch to travel. And, you know, Garrett and I went to Puerto Rico for a week. And, you know, that was awesome and life-changing. We booked the trip the night before. And then that was right after we graduated high school and finishing up with college. 
And so it was never like any kind of this aha moment, like this is, you know, my, my purpose, this is my reason for existence. It was just, I'm just trying to do some cool stuff, see some cool things, go some, go to far off places. And yeah, so that's kind of how I, I got into Dallas too. Just picked up and left one day. You know, I got a phone call from a good friend of mine that I went to college with. Packed up the car and whatever fit in the car came with and been here 10 years, coming up on 10 years. And obviously that's where I met my beautiful wife here and, uh, you know, where life's taken me. And yeah, it's pretty amazing to see like how far we've come. Like we're still the same people, but Mm -hmm. also very different, like just a grown, mature, more defined. You know, when we were growing up, it was like, well, we can do all these things. And, you know, we were uh, just little fish, big pond, but now we're big fish big pond mentality kind of thing yeah when do you think like the seeking start because you said that like you like you saw like the photo of thailand and stuff but like do you think the seeking of i don't know new experience like when did that come about because like a lot of the times when we're young it's like obviously like we have like a friend group and like we become identified by playing sports and like the whole community and stuff like that but then there's like that shift where you're like looking outside of the familiar things that you know right to create an identity because it's like i don't think you go into traveling thinking like i'm going to change my ways or or anything like that but then when you like experience other cultures it inherently transforms you but where do you think like that curiosity comes from well i think a lot of it has to do with going to Carlsbad High, graduating, immediately going to Cal State San Marcos, which is 15 minutes away, right? So you always had that safety net. You know, you could just get in the car and come home and, you know, have mom do laundry or, like, you know, go see go see the parents, go see everybody else. Like, in the social groups were real, real small, right? Because once we graduated college, it didn't matter where you went, Lucadia, Encinitas, all the way downtown San Diego, you were seeing somebody new. Like, so my bubble's way too small. Like, I got to get the hell out of here. So I think that's the drive and like what really lit a fire for me to like get out because you know interviewing with local companies like I heard of this company since you know I was five years old and is this really all life has to offer and um you know the opportunity presented itself so I just picked up and left and mm-hmm. yeah you, know, you got you is, got the fuck out like yeah, yeah <laughs> that uh, was very bold and it was like that was like that was before I had left San Diego like for the first time and and just seeing you do that i was like all right hell yeah like that it was like a map it was like all right it's possible yeah even though i didn't move till like years later like till i moved when i was like 25 26 um but just to to know that it was possible because it's like if you were staying in in san diego and i was still there like i would have just been like oh like there would have been like no incentive yeah you just have to see somebody do it right and it's possible it's like how records sports records are broken over and over again like Mm -hmm. as as years progress right um just because like now the mental shift happens like you've seen somebody do it okay 10's possible now i can do 12 now Mm -hmm. i can do 15 it's like doing push-ups pull-ups etc right once you expand your mind and it exists outside of you know this small viewpoint or at the time is very large you think but it's a small viewpoint that we have and then you know the world expands and it's like all right well fuck it i'm gonna pick up and move yeah it's pretty exhilarating too i mean i'm sure you you experienced that when you packed up the car and it's like peace i'm out i'm I'm actually everything i own's in my car and let's go don't know where i'm going don't know where i'm gonna be you know 
But you've always been really good at that. Like you make a decision to do something and you act on it immediately. And I think a lot of people will hem and haw on something for way too long until it becomes like either too big or too scary to actually act on. And I think that's one thing that you and I have in common uh, is that whenever we think of something, like we immediately put it Mm -hmm. into action and Mm -hmm. go and do it. I don't think you, you don't have like that fear in you that a lot of people have to try something new or expand into that unknown space yeah yeah there's like yeah we do when we do like i'm very similar now like i notice like if i don't jump on something right away like that's where all the energy is like the inspiration the energy is like when you have that that initial idea and there's like like there's a little bit of fear wrapped into it but like the more that we mull over it and then we want the conditions to be perfect and kick it down the road and then it just turns into this or you burden. tell other people and then yeah. their perspective affects like yeah. your ability we, that's, that's to Yeah, that's a topic act. that we touched on this weekend is just yep. like, l- let's stop being so like loose-lipped with like our things that we want to like bring into the world because then other people's energy can kind of influence uh, the outcomes. When I was in school, I had a professor who I related to a lot um, <laughs> told me one time that I don't have to share everything with every... Oh! <laughs> she agrees. <laughs> I don't no. have to share everything nope. with everyone um, to build a connection with that person. Like I don't have to lay it all bare or let them know everything that I'm planning or doing mm-hmm. to to build a sense of intimacy between me and that other person that I yeah. can actually withhold some of those things and still have like a true relationship with them. Yeah, I think like finding that intimacy too comes a lot in just like the listening component. Like how deeply can you listen and I think people can feel that outside of like you expressing like oh, what's your true. capacity to listen. And I think that can can communicate like the intimacy uh, side of things. So like now that we're like building the foundation of this uh, this conversation, Kim, can you let our beautiful listeners know a little bit about yourself? Kind of like a little uh, overview of <laughs> your personhood or what you what you would like what you what you would like to share <laughs> what you would are. what you would like to share because i know it's going to be brilliant so <laughs> that's, set the timer um, <laughs> i think a lot of times when i go to tell people who i am i end up telling them who i was first because it's so foundational to who i am right now I came from a town of 1,100 people. We were incredibly poor. Um, I was raised in an extremely fundamentalist household, and it really impacted the entirety of my life. And it launched me on this journey to find something that made sense. Um, I got grounded when I was 16 and wasn't allowed to leave my bedroom until I read the Bible. huge mistake to do to a curious person because then I started uncovering things and like getting into theology and like things don't make sense or what I've been told is in here didn't make sense and so that led me to study philosophy and religion and theology and ethics that were really passion projects for me and I got very very lucky with what I was doing um, to turn that into a career so where I am today um, I actually work within the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, and I do a lot of work for 
corporate employee experience, which is really funny because I always say like I'm a corporate existentialist. Mm-hmm. Like how did this, <laughs> how did this girl that didn't wear shoes to school, uh, in college, like get here in this corporate job. But mm-hmm. I found a place where I really love what I'm doing and I get to be with a person that could not be met- better matched for me. Daniel and I, um, we just got married in October and we're planning our next big adventure because travel is definitely a, a cornerstone of our relationship. So looking forward to going to Athens soon. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Greece, Turkey. Yeah. We, um, all the sights, all the smells. Yeah. We definitely are big traveling people. We like to expand our horizons for sure. And yeah. And I'm the mother of, of dachshunds. Um, <laughs> <Mother of laughs> three dachshunds. small dogs. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I guess, me. Yeah, there's a lot more to you than that. But (laughs) so growing up uh, in a household that was fundamentalist and you said that like you had to read the Bible when you were 16. And what were some of the things that you like? What was like the ahas, like the the initial like like understanding or a conception of God or place in the world? So it's really bizarre because I grew up in a religion that was very ecstatic about the intimate connection between God and self. Like um, a Pentecostal religion where God literally like came into your body and spoke through you and like would take you and have you fall out in the spirit. You know, you would, it was transcending this realm. Like I was raised in this sort of like mindset and that, you know, that there were demons constantly around you and the devil constantly like fighting you every day. And so I think being raised that way, but not being fundamentally that way, let me perceive like sort of like a bigger picture of possibility than maybe somebody who didn't get brought up in a highly spiritual, like highly experiential relationship with God and, and whatever deities or or powers there are in the world mm-hmm. made me really curious um the the breaking point for me was in reading the scripture and understanding that the things I was taught weren't actually in the book I was taught was infallible so it was very bizarre for me like that you know no drinking no alcohol alcohol is a sin but Jesus Christ himself made the best alcohol at the party you know like he turned water into wine and he did it after everyone was drunk so like clearly what I was being told wasn't quite right because I remember being curious about it and asking and being told like oh actually back then it was grape juice it was different and so Years later, when I confronted my family about this, I'm like, you just lied to me. They're like, I didn't lie to you. You were a baby in your spirituality. We had to tell you little bits. I'm Mm -hmm. like, if you have to lie to get me to believe this, there's something inherently wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just kept finding these like inconsistencies, which led me to try to find the truth. Mm -hmm. And then I... I (laughs) I fucked up. I went to a philosophy class and it blew my mind and I I was going to be pre-med at A&M I dropped out of A&M I dropped out of that program and I moved to Denton Texas to study philosophy and quit wearing shoes it was a a huge disappointment to my family for sure yeah but like seeking truth I feel like is like the highest calling that any of us can have like seeking truth you're always going to uncover something new there's nothing that's ever fixed at the end of a search for what is true 
Yeah, you think that there's like this veil and that if you can see through the veil, you can see to the other side and to the truth. And actually, it's just layers of those mm-hmm. veils, right? Mm-hmm. You're just getting slightly closer or a little bit more, a little bit more, little kernels of it. Mm. Um, but I don't think there's like a knowable core truth that we can access as limited beings, but we can sure. we can get around it. We can like yeah peek D- at it. Daniel, did you grow up going to church or having any type of like relationship to religion or spirituality that uh yeah yeah i grew up going to church and uh you know found out after i graduated high school it wasn't really my thing you know kind of fell away from it and when kim goes home and and sees how i grew up it's uh i guess a little bit more extreme is definitely not the right word but there was a lot of the influence growing up where it wasn't uh, as intense of a situation like like uh, Kim grew up in, but, you know. I mean, this is going to sound very, very derogatory, and I'm saying it as a how, how I was raised to explain what he grew up in. He grew up in a casual Christianity. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't like, I mean, it's something that's important to his mother and to his father. Like, they're very, I think, faithful people, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Like nobody was throwing, literally throwing right. a Bible at him, or trying to have yeah. an exorcism, or you know, it wasn't like you're going nobody to was church. speaking in tongues or forcing it down his throat. Yeah, yeah. And it had a little bit. I mean, we had a conversation the other day about uh, you know when I was sick, and you know the whole community and the family gathered around. Yeah, can like, you d- dive in a little bit about? I think that's very like uh, important as to like foundational, yeah, foundational, and like your yeah. experience, you know. Yeah. So growing up, I was uh, I was always the kid that like. Everything came natural, right? Picked up a baseball, picked up a bat, picked up a golf club. Like, I just, it all came natural, right? School was easy. Really didn't have any sympathy or empathy for people that were not good at sports, that were not good in school. Like, what do you mean you can't figure out the math problem? It's, you know, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And this is how easy it was. And then uh, I think it was eighth grade. um, I got meningitis, so really brought me back, like brought me back to to reality because I was in the in the hospital for How did you get months. the meningitis? So, I was. Spe- I know, but I'm just. Yeah, wait, wait, don't don't bypass all the good stuff. Like, get into the details. Yeah. You know, that's why we're doing. I'm getting this, better but. at interviewing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that summer we got real into spearfishing, and um, you know, spearfishing basically every day. We're on the beach side. We're spe- spearfishing out in the ocean, and then on the inside uh, interior, there was a little like blocked off lagoon portion then i had a sign that said don't let your dogs go in the water and i remember and i still have a visual image it said like peligroso dangerous right on it and we had our spears we just got out of the ocean and three or four chicks showed up and you know i was like i'm gonna jump in this water and spear these fish because we saw like four or five huge massive fish and uh, so I jumped in, was snorkeling, and of course I didn't catch any of the fish. You know, I spent about ten minutes in there, got out of the water, and about a week and a half later, I got a pretty bad sinus infection. And you know, being seventh, eighth grade kid, just coming off of uh, summertime, four days into the new eighth grade school year, thinking I was invisible, invincible, and um, meningitis just took over, collapsed one day. They had to uh, life flight me from. Oceanside, Tri-City, all the way down to Children's Hospital where they did a couple operations. I gave my parents like a 50-50 shot. 
or told my parents like 50 50 he survives and if he does he's going to be a vegetable so um good thing i beat those odds and you know i'm not a veg you know as bad as that word sounds but but yeah at, at that point i think it really humbled me down yeah and uh you know had having to learn to walk talk eat sleep drink there's over 50 muscles in the mouth just to drink a glass of water right and um one of the worst memories i have and it's not that bad but they t- essentially it was flour and they took flour and put it in the water and you had to train your mouth and your and like all the muscles in your throat to like drink mm. and so i was drinking like thick water for weeks mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was how long were you in a coma for Six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, what do you, do you remember, like, in the coma, is it just, like, like, there's no consciousness, like, at all? Or, like, did you get glimpses, or were there moments where you're, like, you can sense that you're aware, but you can't move the body or anything like that? Like, Mm -hmm. what is, like, do you remember anything of that experience? Yeah, there's a lot of memories there, and, damn, I really haven't thought about them in a while, so it won't take me a second to, like, rack my brain, but. You definitely don't just fall in a coma like you go to sleep and then, you know, three days, three weeks, three months later, wake up and it's like, OK, guys, ready to go. You know, let's get in the car and go home. It's, uh, you know, this gradual awakening. Right. And um, it's kind of a good crossover and I guess example representation to. Like a bit of spirituality, you know, you know, on quest of like finding self. Right. Because was having these pretty intense very vivid dreams like there there was one i was in a bubble falling out of an airplane and i woke up and i was like mom did i go skydiving like i obviously couldn't say it like that because it took me you know a month to figure out how to put words together and speak properly and Mm. even after months and months of therapy still took me a while to figure out how to like speak properly and and all that but uh yeah it was pretty pretty wild as far as like the dreams. Did and you meet God? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No, <laughs> it was. <laughs> if you did and you came out like as agnostic as you are now, that would be interesting. I him, but he kind of sucked. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, there was never any kind of like God visualization. You know, maybe if I grew up a little bit more intense of a like religious upbringing, you know, even though I knew what God was and I was in, you know, what Kim defines as uh, casual Christianity. That was old Kim saying what I would. No, I know, but I'm using that as an example and a reference point to the conversation at this point. But I didn't wake up being like, oh, this was Jesus. And like, now I need to get back to it. Right. That didn't define my life. It it necessarily defined who I was. And I think how humble of a person and like patient and calm I am today because mm-hmm. pre coma pre situation there I was an asshole you know really I was a, I was a bully yeah that's oh, what I was saying where it's like oh damn yeah, yeah he tells stories I'm like oh god please if we have children don't let them be like he was yeah before. like I like I was a you're a fuckhead. bully I was oh, yeah. god, I was the worst you found familiar company <laughs> No, not he. I was like, no, do you think oh, I'm a bully? No, no, this is, no, I'm throwing shade to Carlsbad. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, she can be a bully. Sometimes. I mean, I can, but only. <laughs> um, but yeah, but going through that as like a kid, and I remember like you and I spoke yesterday just like about like how like your parents were like, oh, Jesus like did this like type of thing. Like, mm-hmm. can you kind of go in on that? Uh, yeah. You got really upset 
the last time your mom said that to you? No, yeah, it was a it was a couple of years ago at this point, but essentially they were minimizing the impact and the effect that they had on the situation. Like my mom left the hospital three times in three months, like came home. And, and that really had an impact on my brother and sister's relationship with both my parents at the time. Cause you know, here's my brother who's a six year old kid at the time. Like his brother's on a deathbed and he doesn't have his mom for three months. Like how is he supposed to respond? You know, we're talking mm. about traumatic experiences that define people for the rest of their life. And my brother's in a really good spot now, but it took him a while to, you know, get to an age where he could express his frustration and like what he, he didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand what was going on. And, you know, my brother or my sister's in the middle and, you know, we're all, uh, probably better off now than than what we thought we would have been, you know, given the situation and stuff. But, um, you know, kind of going back to like your mom's impact and your community's impact really, because they, yeah, it was yeah, definitely the community, you. and then, like, my mom being there the entire time, and, like, when I woke up, and, and the know, doctors, she was there, right? yeah, and, and all the doctors, and, and uh, when she tried to give all the, and this is going to sound terrible, like, glory to God, right, this is why you survived, and I was like, no, we survived, I survived, because of the support system, you, dad, Chandler, Joelle, and, uh, and the community, right, it, and if you want to say that it is God, because right, you can define God in so many ways, mm-hmm. right? God is all of us. God yeah. is one person. Is God's, you know, called Buddha, Jesus, you know, the sentiment and whoever. love you had wrapped around you and the caring mm-hmm. concern yeah. of people, yeah, but not like nothing Jesus external. Jesus looked at you and said, yeah, you know, you had you need to survive because you have a purpose, right? And yeah. yeah, and I was like, Mom, that's nonsense. Yeah, we, I survived, and. I'm where I'm at because of you and the community around us. Yeah. And so she was trying to like, you know, minimize it and push it onto her faith and her belief. I'm like, well, no, take the credit that we deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely like a team effort and like, like the whole community rallied around. And it's like, just like the care and attention and love that people had and desire that was like a human created, like emotion to want to see you Mm -hmm. like, alive and well and healthy and like running around and playing baseball like that is an expression of god like yeah coming through everybody so it's like 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 when i guess like when like your mother says it's like jesus or at least like the way that it's communicated in that sense it's like oh something outside of us and it's like no it's like it's all of us together expressing god awareness and, mm-hmm. and bringing you together and you fighting to be here still right it's, it's oh, yeah. a very, you had a part of it too i know it's like no like <laughs> the yeah. will the will to live definitely supersedes anything right like but you yeah it's a very yourself. yeah being human is is very uh complex and there's a lot of miracles that that happen and like like little things like <laughs> like I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people that win that win bets and they're gonna be placing all the glory right. to God. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people just don't understand all of it, so we try to put some some verbiage behind it, right? How can we easily define what happened, right? Call it a miracle. And it's yeah. easy. Whereas it's not. It's all these little things that, you know, self, community, support, healthcare, like you know, if I was in a different country in a different place, I would have been dead, right? Yeah. Even in a different you know, different part or different community 
within San yeah, Diego. Yeah, you could be in a different zip code. Yeah, you no, 100%, be, yeah, right? You could be in Chula Vista. You're right. Gone. Yeah. You know, if I look different or my name was different, and yeah, you know. And That's wild. So on this journey, Kim, how has the concept of, of God evolved, and has it become more of a, an experience or a philosophical understanding what is what is kind of like the current uh place that you sit with spirit and for me i think that my spirituality works like waves like the tide comes in and the tide goes out like i don't i've never felt that it was just this 100 percent or flatline consistent experience um, it ebbs and flows with my life, and I get to experience it in different ways depending on where I am. I I have gone the gamut. Like when I first started studying philosophy, I got very nihilistic. I got very hedonistic. Like if I'm not hurting other people, I can do what I want. There is no God. There is no, you know, underlining morality because we choose what we do and what morality is, and it took me to a very dark, depressing place. And I eventually came sort of on the other side of that with actually that book I tried to get you to read, Nausea. Oh, yeah, the uh, one that I was suffering through. I was like, so oh, my sorry. God, this guy's way too smart for me. <laughs> it's like my favorite book. <laughs> um, I had an existential experience while reading that book with a hummingbird that made me sort of come out of my everything is meaningless and into my everything is connected phase. Um and that was a much better, much more positive place to be in in my life. And I had to go the academic route to get back to the spiritual route. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed to basically like tabula rasa myself, like erase everything that I had been taught because what I was taught was very toxic, right? And start over from the beginning and like literally the beginning, like with Aristotle and the unmoved mover and this like sort of academic concepts of it, work my way back around and then came into East Asian religions and Southeast Asian religions. And I got a really wonderful opportunity um, to study under a Swami. And I had always believed that there was some God thing, like something, some amorphous I don't know, thing. And I was trying to define it or trying to understand it a little better. And I felt it. I think that the feeling of of God is what always kept me coming back because I have tried not to believe. I have tried to say, like, there is no God and I can't get to that place because I've always felt it. Mm. And whether that's something within me or something that I feel connected with other people, like that in and of itself can be God, but I felt it. And, um, while trying to define it, I was studying under this Swami and he was talking about in Hinduism, there's 7 million gods. And he said, but of those 7 million gods, no matter which face it is that you're, you're praying to, it's all the same God, that God's essence is like a multifaceted diamond. And so every time you turn it in the sun, you see like a different facet, but inherently it's all exactly the same. Mm. And that became the the basic cornerstone for my, my, my theological thought. And so now I believe very much that there is one God-like thing that I still don't really feel comfortable defining, but that 
every single one of us everywhere in the world, we're all accessing that same thing. We just give it different names or different images or different faces. And we might have different, um, you know, sacraments or different prayers, but it's inherently, it's all the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's a really good spot for me to be in. Um, I did go to seminary. I did try very, very hard to be a Christian. I came out and converted to a different religion. Um, but yeah, I think now I'm just in a very good space where I feel COVID changed a lot of the way I felt about God. I got mm. like really neg negative again, very narcissistic. I had to talk to my rabbi about it actually. Um, I said, you know, it's it's really put it in the face that if there were these horrific, tragic things and there was a God that was going to make an action and take a, like, do something, this is a perfect opportunity to do something, but nothing ever happens. Like, nothing is getting done. Like, uh -huh. you think back to all those terrible things, like the Holocaust still happened. If God was real, God could have changed that. So I got really angry, I think, at God. Mm -hmm. But now I'm coming towards the other side of that, which is, no, this is actually just a part of life. It's a part of history. It's the part of the ebbing and the flowing of sort of like the tide of good and bad and right and wrong and mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. I, that you just saying that like the, uh, kind of just like anger, like for like COVID and stuff yep. like that. But like similarly, like in Daniel's case, when he was a kid, like it took the community to bring him back per se like in his uh his willpower to to come back and i feel like that's what COVID is for us it's like our opportunity to to pray and to envision and will a better humanity out of it because it's like mm. it's i feel like god has given us an opportunity to kind of like come together and it's like are we going to take that opportunity because if if god is expressed through our conscious intention and our heart like mind soul everything coming together and seeing one another as family it's like what a perfect opportunity for us to i don't want to say like fight the boogeyman but it's like if this thing emerged from nature or from us it's like okay well we have the capacity to move past it and to create a better world and it's like are we going to take the opportunity yeah because like in any tragedy there's always like a silver lining or opportunity for us to right. transform and and uh uh, be better for on the other side of it and learn from something. And it's like, do we choose to take the opportunity or not? Yeah. You know, I, I, while you're saying that, it makes me think maybe it's a lot of us are getting a hunger for connection and community that we maybe didn't have before we took for granted. And so being locked up and separated from one another for so long and and whether that be from quarantine or just like travel not being possible anymore, you know, it's like given us an opportunity to see the things that are in front <laughs> of us. Oh, sorry, Kev guys. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. He can't even see. Well, there was <laughs> so a dog that walked by the Aww, by the window too. Not completely blind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think a lot of us are coming out of this like really hungry for connection, like so desperate for it, honestly. Mm -hmm we haven't had it we haven't been allowed to mm -hmm. maybe that's that uphill swing maybe we had to like almost go on a i don't believe in detoxes but almost go on a detox right so that your body can come back out and say okay now you've seen what it's like to be without these things like you should be hungry for them now mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think I experience a little bit more or observe a little bit more like compassion with people like they're not as like judgmental and that's just like a small sample size of being in a free state like texas for a couple couple of days but it's just like huh like in instances where it's like you'd normally be annoyed like last night we went to watch the ufc fight and there's just like this drunk guy just like like blabbing about like his life and stuff but it was like there's there was this girl with him and i don't know what their relationship was but like he uh, like he was just talking about like oh like like I, I got kicked out and like tend to binge drink and uh, like escape through sex and da 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 da. Oh, he was admitting and, this. Yeah, he was just putting it all out wow. there. Wow. Like he was putting, yeah, and it was right, just like being vulnerable. Yeah, he. Right. Was, I guess it's vulnerability, but it's also like a way to protect oneself. At least in my past, was right. like, let me over share mm-hmm. things so then you can pick those things out and deny love to me or whatever because i'm undeserving so let me tell you the the dirty laundry before you find it out on yourself but just like hearing him just like just sloppy just all over the place and like i said i don't know what their relationship was but even i was just like oh he's just having his his time and like the girl there was like very open to just like oh like yeah that sounds that sounds bad but it's like in other instances where it's like somebody's gonna be like yo shut the fuck up dude like or or me getting frustrated it was just like oh like no worries like i think and and hopefully we can be in that space like i think they're like social media and stuff kind of like uh discounts our capacity to be compassionate because we know that that wouldn't get any views like oh someone nice to somebody oh yeah fucking two likes (laughs) like like we don't want to see that shit but i think when we step into the real world i think people like since we have been away from one another it's like we're just like more curious just to be like oh like you've experienced this like depression too you've experienced this sadness too like let's just sit with one another i mean i i absolutely think that i don't probably specific to the u.s so i don't want to like say the whole world but we're so much more likely to talk about our state of our mental health right now. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really positive thing that's come out of this because we've all had to like confront ourselves in our isolation and then everybody's like super ready to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's a positive because the more that we start talking about broader mental health issues or anxieties or depressions or things like that, the better we can dive into them. Yeah. It's also slowed people down a bit. Like just, kind of building off that example you were using last night five years ago we would have been in the bar watching the ufc fight probably both drinking heavily and that dude be blabbering in our ear and then that's where we'd be like dude shut the fuck up i'm watching the fight where now it's like you know you're coming from portland you're like i'm happy to be here i'm not wearing <laughs> a mask it doesn't matter who's saying what i'm watching the fight like let's go right yeah. so it slowed us down and it's and, and that's a very very specific example which obviously doesn't pertain to to everything but just taking that that example really shows we have slowed down and and a little bit whether it's a micro fraction or a lot more compassion i don't know how you put something like that on a scale Mm -hmm. but just also mixed in with the southern hospitality of texas versus like uh west coast up in oregon where you're at um because that's a real thing too right people are a lot lot slower here i think in a sense of uh big city here yeah for sure yeah, it, it, I I think like knowing what we want, like kind of emerged from it because it's like yeah we're at this bar last night and there's like 
for me it's like i'm a single dude there's like girls there here there whatever but it was like what's important for me right now is just watching this fight hanging out with my friend i hope everyone here has a grand old time but if i'm not naturally like drawn to like any other people in this experience then i don't need to i don't need to like check do like the checklist of like all right like i gotta I gotta holla at somebody and da 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 da. I gotta get these drinks. I gotta do this. Yeah. I gotta do that. It was very like, all right, like French fries, check. Like lemon pepper wings. Yeah, lemon pepper wings, check. Yeah. Tonic Second water, French fries, yeah, check. check. Daniel's here, check. Like watch the fight, check. And there's just nothing more. And I think when we prioritize what we're genuinely like resonating with, like at least just moving forward throughout life, it's like not entertaining the things that we once did like once that we once did like when we were like younger and it's like asking ourselves what are the things that bring value to my life that i really really want to like invest time in and it doesn't matter like what the rest of the the world thinks it's like if like if my dog was around i would just be i'm completely content sitting at home with my dog i don't Mm -hmm. need to go out and do all those other things and life just gets a lot more simple and i hope that people have done that that reflection over the last couple of years to discern like, Hey, I don't like doing X, Y, and Z. Like I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop doing that. But let's be real. If that, if that room was full of more than four women, yeah, two of them working there, maybe the perspective would have changed. I'd be hollering. I'd be like, Hey, what up? Oh, you know this fight? There's nothing wrong with that. Inherently. It's just saying that in the situation that you're in, I'm going to enjoy what I have in this moment. Or like not trying to press it, like press a situation that's just not there. Cause I think, I think that's a habit of like having a desire and then wanting to force it to happen when like the contents to create this meal aren't there it's like it's, it's like, like you're missing ingredients and it's like why am i going to try to still make this thing when i'm missing like a primary ingredient yeah if you're trying to curate an an experience necessarily you can't be part of and enjoy that experience right because mm you're micromanaging all of the factors that are involved in it. Mm. And that in and of itself is exhausting. It takes you out of your ability to just be in that moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like manipulating it, forcing mm-hmm. it to something yeah. that's not. Oh my God. Yeah, I know a lot of people like that, right? I mean, at this point in my life, I've paired most of them out, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm very quick to stop being around people I don't enjoy. Um, but you can always tell when someone's trying to force a situation to be a certain way and like we've known there's I'm not going to blast anybody on this but we've known one particular woman who would constantly just force you to like be in a situation in a certain way we were playing mm-hmm. like a board game one time and <laughs> we were all drunk we were having a great time it was the dumbest game it was like what do you meme so yeah, inherently stupid forehead mm-hmm. and like and we were just joking around with one another and talking around the game, not participating in the game. And she started screaming at us, you're not doing the game. Oh, you're not God. playing or you're not taking this seriously. Like, yeah, obviously I'm not taking it seriously. It's a fucking board game. Um, but people that do that, they try to like micromanage everyone's experience to like be exactly what it is that they want. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting, yeah. utterly exhausting. Yeah, letting go of like expectations of others is like the biggest like freedom card. You're just like, oh, I have nothing to do with this, but mm-hmm. it's like I can still be here and like not be selfish with my time and energy. But like there is like a point where 
like you do have control and say so over your own personal experience and like taking accountability for how you like show up to events and show up to people show up to life and and never putting that uh the onus on other people to act in the way that kind of like validates your existence or your point of view Mm -hmm. or anything like that it's like if somebody doesn't like agree with the way that i do things or the way that i'm like like my perspective on things it's just like oh like i used to think it's like oh fuck i I gotta like it's like a attack on like my personhood if i don't get my character yeah if i don't get this person on my team at some point and it's like it always just turns into me like bashing the person like oh this person's a fucking idiot how do you not understand that x y and z happened this way when it's fucking obvious and and um yeah that's it's and i'm still very like subject to that like these days that's where it's like i gotta like check myself yeah it's like i in like oh you fucking meditate you have all this self-knowledge and shit and then start to like project onto other people it's like well i meditate more than you so obviously like i know like that part of me comes about (laughs) um and i need to check myself in in those instances and create that space to have a dialogue um but it gets frustrating sometimes so you guys are married Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my ring came off yesterday. Yeah, you're, you're not wearing your ring. I tried to put it back on this morning when His we were on our way to Cindy's. Yeah, he yeah, does my, have big old fingers. My fingers swell. Yeah, have you seen him try to cook or cut carne asada? You mean carne when asada, I, Dan? Yeah. When I cut my fingers off, <laughs> cut the little top nubs. Oh my god! Little lady is staring at me. She's like hazy eyed. She's in love. Mm. But yeah, uh, marriage. Like I am perpetually single. In my in my life, I have yet to have like a relationship that I've actually I've had one relationship where I was like, like I actually thought about like, oh, what would it be like to be married to this person? But from what I hear, relationships have stages. And if you guys can go in a little bit of like, like how you guys met, but then like how a relationship progresses to the point where. Daniel wants to get on one knee in Costa Rica. It's Costa Rica, right? Costa in Costa Rica, and right before he jumps yeah. off a cliff. Yeah, that's the that's the dopest like <laughs> like story though. Like, yeah, let me start because Kim's right? going to go into a lot of details <laughs> and stuff like that. So let, let me. I'm very <laughs> expressive. Yeah. We're going to start with the cliff note version, and so Kim and I met at work. Fast forward, you know, we started living together, and. uh well, I guess kind of backing that up. You know when you want to get married and when it's just easy, right? Because it, it feels natural. And and if somebody asked me today, what's the difference between before I got married and after I got married? Like, really nothing mm. as far as feeling goes because it's always been the same, right? It's not that we were living together and or we weren't living together. Now we're living together. It's just it was different then it had a different title so now it's got a new title so it feels different you know and i always joke oh my fingers a little heavier but that's it you know it but it's easy right and uh, before marriage after marriage it's all the same but fast forward to costa rica kind of going off feeling and easy i had the ring in my pocket for like days leading up to this so it was like what the third day fourth day and there was a couple spots that i was like oh this could be it you know and Part of me was like, well, maybe I should just do it when we go to the first waterfall that we saw. It was like six minutes or six hours after we woke up 
the the first day and it's like okay well i can get out of the way it's kind of burning a hole in my pocket you know let's just get uh, get engaged and like enjoy the vacation but i was like nah you know i don't want to take the easy way out i got a feeling i can find a better spot right and we came upon another spot there was a beautiful lookout over a ravine nobody around it was like in the jungle we were in a meditation station mm, that's exactly what it was looking over the rainforest it was a, it was a mm. lifted meditation station that projected Clapping. out over the uh, did I say station meditation station? I like that. that actually, no, that sounds dope. <laughs> yeah, like that, it, it was a meditation take, platform. I'm use that in something yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, we we I decided not to to do it there and just kept the ring in my pocket. You know, I was burning a hole. And in day four, we were about to go zip lining, and there was this little hand of God. You know, bringing this mm-hmm. whole conversation full circle, right? Like we're a, talking a about. platform that was sticking out over where we were about to zip line from so it was a giant hand extended out over a ravine mm-hmm. and you could see like um the lake off in the, the distance la- the volcano was up on the right hand side it was like picturesque for mm-hmm. sure it was gorgeous and there was a little sign that said marry me down here at the bottom or like happy birthday right so it was definitely a photo spot and there was a bunch of people standing around taking pictures and the whole group migrated over to the platform on the opposite side to get ready to go zip lining i was like this is it. Like this feels right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it just worked out perfectly because Kim actually handed her phone to, you know, another, uh, American couple that were getting ready to zip line as well. And she immediately flipped it over and took a video of the whole thing. And then of course there was photographers there cause you can buy the, the extra tickets and stuff or extra pictures. Um, yeah, we but yeah, it just worked out perfectly. Right. I did not think at all, like of all, I, by this point, if you've been together for four years and been ring shopping and like, you know, Daniel, you're like, he's going to propose in Costa Rica because he sure as fuck not going to propose like at the Ro- Texas Roadhouse, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, let's get he, back. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was going to be a thing. Yeah. And I thought for sure on the meditation platform, like it just it was so beautiful and romantic. I did not think for a second it was going to be when we were ziplining. Either did I. Either did I. <laughs> and and. So much so that, like, we weren't even going to take a picture in the hand. Like, the photographer that was part of the tour group to take pictures of people had already walked away. So, like, when I handed my phone to the lady that was just happened to still be standing over there, I was like, oh, could you take a picture for us real quick? Like, there wasn't plan in it. It Mm -hmm. just, like, it happened. It just happened right then. And that's actually a good representation of how I maneuver life compared to how you maneuver life. And that <laughs> took uh, a bit of getting used to as well. And yeah. we talked about this yesterday, how the first vacation that we went on after I came back from my post six months travel abroad, land in a country and just figure it out. If I want to go north, I'll go north. If I want to stay here for a week, I'll stay here. And uh, tried to do that. You don't want to talk about Guatemala. In Guatemala. <laughs> when <laughs> I hear that was a, a trying trip. Yeah, you know, we uh-huh. learned a lot about ourselves on that trip. And uh how we should and should not approach vacation from then on out. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, perfect balance of, you know, yeah. feel versus plan. Yeah. How yeah. do, how do you guys feel like your guys' communication has evolved over the last number of years? Cause it's like relationships take a lot of like, like I, when you, you started out by saying ease and that's something yeah. that I place a very, very high, like, like importance on is like like can I still feel like myself and like do I feel like I have to like step out of my seat 
and and be w- to be with somebody and is that is that a part of me that's like a fearful from like committing and all that kind of stuff because like there's like a sensation of ease that i've felt with certain people i'm like oh like this is like a friend type of thing and and my history is just like not searching for a friend it's just searching for like like a pretty face yeah there was something you said yesterday that um that I'll bring up on this. So I think there's a difference in something being easy, like feeling at ease in that situation, but still being able to grow and develop in that situation. Right. So Daniel and I came from two very different relationship perspectives. I was habitually in relationships, like to a codependent, like unhealthy way. Daniel was opposite. Daniel was notoriously not in relationships. I think that's fair, right? Like, not long-term. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everybody, (laughs) all his friends were like, he's never brought anybody home before, you know, kind of thing. So we were on opposite ends of that spectrum. So there was a learning curve for us to come to, like, a healthy place. Mm -hmm. This never felt hard. We, from the time we started hanging out together, we just never wanted to stop hanging out together. Like, we would spend the whole day together. We weren't even you know, quote, in a relationship, there were no labels on it, but I would spend the whole day with him and I would go to leave to take care of the dogs. And then he would ask me to come back and I would bring the dogs and we would just stay together like the whole time. Cause we just didn't, we enjoyed each other's it presence. Easy, it was so right? easy to Most just be other, together. You know, what's we're just, how do you get them out mm-hmm. like, yeah. as fast as possible? Yeah. Right. This is not easy. It's not comfortable. Like, and not that it was uncomfortable. It was just, okay. Like, you got what you wanted. I got what I wanted. Like, yeah, there's not much more depth to this. Yeah. And, and so like when, when we did decide to be in a relationship and I'll, I'll fast forward past like the, the Asia trip. Right. Cause that was six months where he was gone, which was a really good time for me to focus on myself. I was already in a relationship. So literally it was just me focusing on myself and not worrying about romanticism at all. Right. Um, so then he comes back from Asia and we move in together or he moves in with me. Um, the, the communication or the understanding, what is the lifestyle. word for it? It was a lifestyle change for sure. Cause you're such an extrovert and I'm such an introvert. So like being around people, but there's a word for it. It's being accommodating of one another in a way. And like being con- considerate, that's the word considerate having consideration for another person and doing something for that person is okay. Even if it's not something that you just want to do because everything that you just want to do, it's not, I do or don't want to do this. It's, I don't really want to do this, but I do want to support you and what you're doing. And so I'm going to support you in this thing that you're doing. And I know it's important to you. Mm -hmm. So one thing for me was, I don't care. This was very early in the relationship. I don't care if you hang out with your friends all night. I don't care if you're home at 2 a.m. I need you to be honest with me about the expectations that you're setting. Because if you tell me you're home by 9, I have changed my day so that I can be at home by 9 so that we can be together or anything like that, right? Daniel doesn't like to give timelines. He's very he said he was going to Asia for 2 months. That was 6 months. I think that's a great <laughs> example, right? Like Daniel's not very good with time and being realistic with like how long things take. And I on the other hand wanted to know how to tailor my day like to be in that relationship. So feel versus plan. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Feel versus plan. I'm a feeler. Yeah. I, I'm going to go for an hour if it ends up being eight because, you know, you got into a good conversation, sat there, right. had three coffees, and just... Which is totally fine. <laughs> just let me know. Mm-hmm. Right? But the, the fucked up thing was to me, I was like, Daniel's telling me this. He said, I will be home at eight. I didn't eat dinner. I'm waiting to eat dinner with him. Mm-hmm. 9.30 comes. He hasn't messaged me. He lied to me. And then in my head, overthinking it, it's like disrespect. Like you can't be considerate of me. And so I had to kind of like tone that down that every single thing that he does isn't an offense or a planned blight Ooh, against me. Shit. It's hard. It's hard when you're, especially like me coming from like a very traumatic place in my life. Like um, when people say that they're empaths, it just means that they experienced a lot of trauma and that they're hyper aware of micro movements in people's feelings. I, that's what I was doing. I was projecting on him that he didn't have any respect for me because he couldn't tell me the truth because he couldn't tell me realistically what was happening when really it wasn't anything like that. But he also needed to say like, Hey, she needs to have a degree of like comfort here. I'm just going to keep her updated and tell her like, Hey, it's going to be a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. So we've come to a really good place with that. But that was probably the hardest thing was just the setting of expectations and the, the flowing into and out of each other's space. But you said yesterday, we we went and played putt-putt golf last night, right? I did not want to go play putt-putt golf, but it was for Daniel's um, event for the sport that he's in, and it's important to him. And so we were having this conversation over, like, I'm going to take my own car, or like, do you want me to be there? you know, if you don't go, it's okay. And you stopped and you said, that's what I don't want to have to deal with in a relationship. <laughs> yeah, that's what that I was going to ask is like, how do you out? initiate the conversation? Cause it's like, I obviously have like what I want, but then there's also like this area where it may combat against what my partner mm-hmm. like, like wants at the same right. time or like somebody that it's like, I don't have the intimacy or that bond or trust Yes. Develop to that point. That's I think that's one of the things is like getting to a level of trust. Yes. And what are the like what's the like the skeleton or the structure of our dynamic that trust is in like in uh just in it. I don't can't find words. Um to where I can just share everything that I'm feeling in that moment to to move the ball forward instead of being at like a stalemate. And it's just like, all right, I'm afraid to tell my truth right now because you can just like up and leave right now. And there's Use like it that, against me. Yeah. And, th- and that's something that I'm like, all right, is this person like str- like strategizing to get what they want? And I'm strategizing to get what I want rather than both people putting it all on the table. And it's like. But you're talking about two people playing individual game. games. Yeah. Y'all sure. are playing chess against each yes. other. Daniel and I are playing a different game. We're on, we're in a team sport together, right? Yeah. Cuz we have the yeah. same mission, like we're in the same we have the same goal in mind. So yeah. we want us both to win at the same time. Yeah. Where where does that conversation come in though? Like where it, where it's, it's like it's not immediate. Like where it's like we're yeah. on the same yeah. team and it's like okay, like we can we're in this together cuz like that's a very Yeah, that's a very like intimate and it's like a surrender on like both people Mm -hmm. have to be willing to surrender in that moment it's like hey i'm willing to 
be on like to surrender to your side or opinion and you're willing to surrender on my side and and i don't know in my experience it's just like or experiences of being hurt over plenty of Mm -hmm. time where it's like oh like you gotta come to my side or else like this shit ain't happening you go ahead it took a while for sure um because you know kind of the whole conversation's come a full circle where i'm a feeler and kim's a planner and and great with communication like that's what she does for work and all that and um, terrible example but we all do um where if i wanted burgers and i didn't say i wanted burgers but then i was like babe what do you want to eat and she says thai and i'm like i can eat thai too i could eat tacos well i could eat tacos twice a day every day i love yeah, tacos. that's a bad example let's not put tacos on the table but yeah right there's like seven things i'm okay with eating but I, there's a, of course a pecking order right i wanted burgers and where I have to figure in, we still do this to this yeah, day. Yeah, we did. We did it in the car yesterday with you. So Daniel has in his head something that he wants, but he won't express the thing that he wants. Mm-hmm. And then he throws it over to you to get your ideas. And then he'll like talk himself out of your ideas because he already has a thing that he wants. So now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, you do want this one thing. It's okay to want that one thing. Just mm-hmm. tell me what it is. Like mm-hmm. in his head, there's something. Like I want to be passive and not like step on anyone's toes. Uh, yeah. On anyone's toes, right? I don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. Cause I'm not going to tell you you got a bad idea, but yeah. Ty sounds like shit tonight. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Chris and John sounds like. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> it looked real good. I know. They got a lit for, marketing yeah, campaign. For, that was a two-year buildup that, yeah. you know. We were set up for failure with Chris and John's for sure. But, you know, kind of going back to it, it took me a long time to figure out how to just say, this is what I want to do and this is why, right? It was just, oh, yeah, I could do that or I could do that. And this is why we don't want to do that. And then I'm a planner, so it frustrates the ever-loving fuck out of me. Because I'm like, okay, let's just decide on what it is. Like, as soon as we have a decision, we can act immediately. And, like, I'm good with that. We're actually playing the opposite gender roles for this story, though. It's pretty funny. What do you want to eat? I don't Gender know. What do you want to eat? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like the stereotypical one, right? Like the women can never decide. Um, yeah, it, it that comes from such a nuance of something that I've. It's been four and a half years, and I've only just learned this is how he operates, and that's why it fascinates me. Mm. But I, he isn't very vocal. I am obviously very vocal. I can't mm-hmm. shut the fuck up. Mm. I've had to learn to interpret Daniel. And the ability to interpret another person not based off of your communication and your internal, like, um, motivations is really difficult. And even though this is easy, being with, being with Daniel is the easiest thing I've ever done. Loving Daniel, simplest thing on the earth. Interpreting Daniel, much more complex and difficult. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I, I feel like I follow it. Like, you could be saying the same things to me because it's just like, I've been, I think I've been seeking someone to interpret me because it's Mm. like i can articulate myself very clearly like on the on different channels it's like i have all these breadths of expression but then like when it comes to intimacy there's a part of me that like i put out cues in a different frequency and it's like yo like i'm putting out like Mm -hmm. like signals and it's like who has the receptor to kind of pick up on like these uh these actions and, and modes of being to, I, I basically just want to be held accountable. Like I want somebody to know what I'm doing and just and to, and just to point it out. And then it's like, Oh, like, let me clarify 
for for X, Y, and Z. And um, so here's a real uncomfortable thing, though. Yes, like that's not going to happen because sure. let's talk about our love languages. I think this is a really good example. I am a words of affirmation person. I I'm very heady. Like I think in nauseating detail. I want somebody to be able to say the right things that mm-hmm. tell me that they understand me. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted. Sure. I've gotten that in a lot of other relationships and it was actually just love bombing. Right. So I, that's what I came into this relationship wanting was for him to express to me verbally how he felt. Mm-hmm. Daniel is not words of affirmation. Daniel does not speak like that. Yeah. Did it once. He did it at I our wedding. Like either. only in that one. And it was so good. But I, I, I thought that there was a deficiency because I wasn't getting that. And probably I would say a year into our relationship, I started like really questioning things because I didn't feel like I was being interpreted and I didn't feel like he was expressing things to me in a way that I could understand were love. And I had this like weird epiphany, like, holy shit, Daniel is physical touch is his, um, love language. And I started to look for the ways that he was communicating to me in a different language. And that's fucking hard. Mm. So like while you do want somebody to be able to interpret you and understand you and pick up the signals that you're putting out, being able to do that for that other person in a language that's different than yours, it takes effort. It takes time. Yeah. And so then I ended up having to express myself in his language as well yeah so we've like learned to speak each other's language and we we fulfill each other in that way but it it takes time it takes effort and that wasn't the easy part the easy part was just being in each other's presence and knowing that we wanted to continue to be in each other's presence mm-hmm. yeah that's very go ahead daniel no i was gonna say you're super fucking gifted and talented too so you speak in so many different ways and so many different signals that you're referring to right it's like you've got your art and you've got your meditation practice you got your podcast and you've got your community you built so it's like trying to find one individual that can interpret all of those things is probably going to be impossible right so it's like and we we talked about this the other day too it's not necessarily seeking and putting yourself into a situation you got to force it right this one could be the one because of X, Y, and Z, right? Like going back to Kim and I's relationship, I was four months removed from going off and going off and traveling for six months. So never thought that we were, you know, fast forward to now going to be married after mm-hmm. that type of situation. It kind of just, it happens when it happens. And then, you know, like yourself and myself feelers, you know, you kind of just like feel it out, but mm-hmm definitely don't overthink it right like yeah somebody's got to be receptive and in interpreting every single thing i yeah. do and then yeah i wouldn't place that much like uh i don't know responsibility on somebody it's yeah. like there's a there's a cutoff point i'm right, like right, oh right. Like, understand what i'm thinking and it's like right. i don't expect that but it's like i i recognize that like my my love language how i express it is uh acts of service it's like i just like i like interpreting people's needs and just showing up and trying to help people move forward. And like I've since become a healthier version of that where I don't have an expectation on the other end if they're going to like take heed to what I'm saying or doing. But it's like stuff that's like, like cooking dinner for somebody or like giving them a book that like 
that I'm like, yo, like this is like the one that like unlocked like me to to higher like dimensions of connectivity within self. And it's just like, oh, like I want you to like experience this thing. And just those like little things where I'm just thinking a couple of steps ahead and it's they're on their path, but it's just like another light that they can kind of move forward with and take it or leave it. But I think when when people recognize my contributions to the world is something that like I'm like, oh, you see mm. me because it's like I'm I give way, way more than I receive in general. So now it's just like, oh, like if somebody can see how much I'm giving, mm -hmm. maybe it's not in the way that they're used to receiving in a s traditional like relationship, like Western society of like how to like uh, interpret like uh, int intimacy with somebody. It's like that's for me, that's like a very slow growing uh, type of thing. And it's it's a lot of dis discovery within the realm of intimacy of like, who am I in relationship to others when I'm so used to being just by myself and stuff? It's like I know how to give like uh, freely in a in an environment when there's no, uh, I guess, like no expectation that I'll be reciprocated. It's like, no, this is for y'all. Like this is <laughs> for everyone listening to this. It's like hopefully you guys learn some things from like these three great people in this room. And, and, but it's like, I'm not expecting somebody to like, oh yeah, like that was a, an amazing thing. If it yeah. comes great. But I think, uh, in just relationships in general, I'm, like, I'm just noticing like, what are other people's abilities to, uh, hold space for me and to see me, uh, for what I, what I give. And I think like, that's not that's too much, important. that's not, that's that's not, too, not much too much to ask, to ask for. Ask. In, no. in the past, I would think that's too yeah, much. That's I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, I guess I just don't deserve like that type of uh, attentiveness to or, or just like witness to the gifts that I give. Um, no, you definitely do. Yeah. You absolutely do. I think it's it's funny how the things that I think are too much to expect are the bare minimum. Yeah. And the things that are kind of the bare minimum seem like kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. No, I've experienced different people. It's like very difficult. And it's like that's just like sign just to be like, all right, it's not here. It's like we mm. can stay on the journey and we can find home elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. I think that's also like a big representation of the world we live in today. Cause everything is so transactional. Like mm. we've, we've got a million different things going on at once, right? You got Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all these things. And we were just like small little snippets of all this energy that people are using or wasting, however you want to define it. But yet here we are thinking that, we're trying to capture this other individual that is able to check all the boxes, like right then and there, give me a sign. This is the one where it's got to grow and progress, mm -hmm. you know, and again, kind of going back to it, Kim and I never probably should have worked. Right. Cause I, I left. Right. How many relationships would have continued on like that? Right. Oh, and I did not want to be in a long distance relationship i had no interest in yeah. what being together offering. for four months but just loving and enjoying our presence together pun intended i guess again um well i was like well i'm gonna go to thailand and uh, but first i'm gonna go to australia book a ticket and come meet me and like thinking back to it mm, nobody would have ever booked a ticket besides <laughs> i, like, I want to go to thailand fuck yeah i'll do that and then i was like okay well you know now i've got this baseline of who this individual is willing to take risks like and at that point too we're still 
five months, four months into our relationship, we were, mm-hmm. really didn't know that much about each other, like mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, right? And it was just, you know, one thing led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. And, mm-hmm. you know, neither one of us were, I need this person to be the person because yeah. of where I'm at in my life. But yet here we are, you know, over four years later. Yeah. And, you know, trying to have a family. So it's I like, mean, yeah, it, we're, it grows mm-hmm. and progresses and we, people tend to, to be too hard on themselves. I think where it's like, I've got to find the person I've got to like, I'm making sure I do the right things. It's like, focus on yourself. Do you. And that's a hundred percent true. You, it'll Absolutely. happen for sure. Yeah. Like somebody will come into your life and you'll be like, you might even think, well, this person's a fucking weirdo. Like, Never in my life. <laughs> if he thought that about me, I would not be surprised. I'd put all the screws to him on our um, on our first date. I talked to him about the prison industrial complex on our first date. Oh, that's so <laughs> romantic. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I need to make sure. I just, I, we, I need we you gotta to be on the same page. You know in this, in where this I world. am with this stuff. It's important to me. Oh yeah. Well, shit. I can have this conversation. All- well, actually, we've ha- been having we have th- been having we've been having this exact conversation now, yeah. for days, and it's like. The perfect, like I said, like the perfect, like dose of reality that, like, oftentimes is so fucking hard to find when, like, going deep is just like, I'm just like, this is just standard. This is like breakfast conversation. We just had like our pastries and coffee, and like, this is like where we wake up and just land into the important shit. And I'm just so grateful to be here and that you guys are in my life. I'm like, yes, Aaron's the most blessed. <laughs> <laughs> I've really enjoyed you being here because, like, Honestly, this is really our first chance to get to know each other mm-hmm. at all cuz I mean we've hung out uh, in passing in San Diego for an hour, but mm-hmm. this is the first time I've ever gotten to know you. I was told Daniel I'm like I think I like Aaron the best out of all of your <laughs> friends back home. <laughs> I'll take that was it. Definitely true for sure. Cuz it yeah, I mean even even if you think all these things and you want to have these conversations, it's not always easy to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You Especially with strangers too, right? Mm. Well, I mean, you've been up in Portland six, seven years now, so you got a community, but you know, rock up to a bar or an event and then you meet, you know, what seems like a kick ass chick or, or whatever and trying to have these level and depths of conversation, it's like it can go real south real quick, right? It's like, well, this guy's you know, maybe she just what she is that type of person, but she just got steamrolled with what do you think of reality? Like, or, you know, <laughs> what is God to you? Yeah. Like, you can't I have it. I'm not having that conversation. Right. But it's like, you can't get to that level within 30 seconds. So, you know, maybe you just wrote that person off or vice versa. So, uh, life's fucking complex and we make it too, too complex sometimes. And yeah, but. I like, I, I see like ease in like free flowing, like a lack of like rigidity. Like when somebody's not rigid on, on life like i feel like that's like a really like beautiful like platform to like build something on is just not i don't know being so tight with everything mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just closed like, off yeah just like let things be is is there anything else that you two would like to share with our beautiful listeners i don't know i love I mean, you i could talk about this kind of stuff all day we never did get to talk about the aliens, but that. Could oh be shit! Wait, story. Okay, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. We can, we can, we can dive in. Kim. Yes. Do you believe in aliens? I absolutely believe in <laughs> aliens. 
I do. I do believe in them. I did have an experience. So okay. Like, what was what was your experience? Way less creepy than it sounds, but it's just like I believe in ghosts and I believe in aliens because I've had experiences that open up the possibility into more of a probability for me. Um, my family is from Roswell, New Mexico, which is obviously Area 51, so I grew up around the culture in general. My great-grandfather um, was in the Air Force there. And as he got dementia and um, started to fade from us, he just would not quit talking about the child-sized caskets that he had to order one night. Mm. <laughs> and he had a lot of, of us just intimate knowledge of sort of things that he shouldn't have had knowledge of that kind of piqued my, this sounds familiar. Like, why would you be doing that? You know, what happened in Area 51 that you would order child-sized caskets? But aside from him... There's a strip of land that goes from New Mexico to Texas, and it's basically 30 miles of zero things. It's just desert. It's an open area. It's completely solidly flat. It's actually where I learned to drive uh, when I was 12 years old because we would <laughs> drive back and forth from Texas to New Mexico, and if I were to run off the road, I would hit mm, the desert. It, you know, there wasn't anywhere to hurt yourself or others. And on one of many of these trips, we were coming back. And you got to think, like, I was with my mother and my grandmother who are hyper-religious. And they saw it, too. We were driving back home into the sunrise. So it was very, very bright early part of the morning. Sun is just coming up. And uh, there's this thing in the sky. And it's just this bright white light. And it's just sitting there sort of, like, over the highway. Mm-hmm adjacent to the sun but so bright that it wasn't like it was very visible next to the sun so it was very very bright and it freaked us all out so much like people other people on the street were stopping and getting out of their cars and staring at this thing and so we were just one of several cars on the street staring into the sky and watching it and this hovering light went straight vertical and then it hovered, and then in just like a flash, it went woo, and like flew off. And so like it, like now we have drones and stuff, right? This is, Jesus, I'm so old. Um, this had to have been 1997-ish, mm-hmm. you know, before really drone technology was like that. Um, and it just opened up that door where I'm like, yeah, there's no fucking way that we're by ourselves here, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I've seen a thing that makes me think that that's the case yeah and like the hubris of humanity to think that we're the only ones Mm -hmm. here the one the only ones being here it's like nah it's it's like i and it's just like we were talking about earlier just like all the evidence that is out there there's so much evidence and there's a lot of consistencies like there's a lot of like different shades of of these uh ufos but it's Mm -hmm. like it makes sense having like the qualities that they have like 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 the way that they move around in like interdimensional travel it's like it's basically just like a parallel reality um that they're existing in and then they can just like kind of tap through the quote unquote veil of mm-hmm. whatever makes this atmosphere uh a sustainable like system it's like being able to like travel across like I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. I don't it's, know either, it's hard. But it's, it's hard. Possible, yeah, right? it's, it's, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. There's, there's people smarter than us that believe in it and have experienced things that also make them think that it's true. So I'm like, 
look, th- there's no way we're here by ourselves. And even if there was wrap- zero evidence, there, even if there was no right. images, videos, whatever, it's naive to think about like what the technology that we've developed as like our human beings to see space. And I mean, maybe NASA's full of shit and like we're in a box and they know it and they're saying, oh, the, the universe goes on forever and ever and ever. And they're just using that to protect us. In a, wow, that in a is sense. really opening the realm of possibilities. There like, you go. <laughs> but then maybe there's we were created by another being and we're and we're in a simulation that we still have free will, but we're just here to, you know, fuck around and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe maybe CO2 and producing gases from burning oil is like a a resource for aliens and they're at the, the oh now we're in the matrix we're yeah. just well, like maybe they're, they're just sucking out of the, like Whatever global warming out yeah. of the the atmosphere to power their their ships to continue space travel right but we Ma- think we're so important yeah right we've like got that's purpose po- that's that's in the is that possible versus probable sort of continuum but it's still possible because we're so fucking egoistic that we're like this place and this house and this space, like this is what everything is all about. What's this the, the same we Sparrow song for. that we listened to last Black night? Black and gold. Black and gold. When a fish walked out of the ocean, maybe that's all it is, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it's just an amoeba that developed into a fish, which walked out of the ocean, and but the millions night- and millions of years. Like there, we have no purpose here other than just to. That guy, that guy. We ran into a guy um, downtown Dallas, and I got into an argument with a, a preacher on the corner, as I do. Um, and he was, like, so upset. Like, he got – he's like, so life is just meaningless. Like, there's nothing. You must be so depressed about that. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, that's comforting as fuck. Like, you know, from dirt we came to dirt, we're going to return. We are all just one single individual thing morphing into and out of different shapes. Yeah, I think consciousness being like the modality that we switch genres of existence. Mm -hmm. So like the aliens are basically just consciousness embodied in a new realm of expression. So Mm -hmm. it's like I I heard from a podcast, like one of my favorite people, his name is Paul Check, but he, he talks to like really like deep people and just saying that the pyramids were just thought forms that like like they were thought brought into existence by thought since there's no evidence of like how they were actually made it's like literally like impossible like to this day we don't know how the pyramids were made and he was just saying like oh yeah like the person he was talking to was like they were just thought forms so just thinking of like aliens or extraterrestrials like being like like another version of what we view as our own consciousness but not tethered to material existence so can it be embodied in other forms sure like can it like it's like essentially just an energy we are the universe experiencing yeah. itself from our perspective, right? Like yeah. the universe is it's all the same <laughs> Your thing. Your face is lit up. You're like, ah, I love that. Party. No, it's true. I made this up. <laughs> Let me just drop a little tidbit. It's like, yeah, there's no reason that it should or could or necessitates limitation. Like everything, if everything in the universe is made out of the same particulate matter, but we're all just like accidentally fish walking out of the water and developing in different ways that there's other fish in other waters who have also had that same journey Mm -hmm. and ultimately like 
we are all the same thing. And, you know, that's that God thing. We're all the same thing. We are all intimately connected. It's not that mankind is intimately connected to one another. Everything is. Mm-hmm. That we are. That and to are. bring it all full circle and give listeners context, it is Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> so the two <laughs> biggest things we got to figure out. What are we making? And who's winning the Super Bowl? Clearly burgers. Uh, we're making burgers because you got to redeem yourself. I did that two weeks. Um, and then we're, I think the Rams are going to win, but I want the Bengals to win. But I think that this Super Bowl halftime show will be better than Bruno Mars's. Yeah. That was a little bit of a weird experience. You really, Bruno Mars's was the best one. I've I didn't ever. say it was bad. I mean, like visually, it was int- so good. Uh, the way that he morphed into and out of the mirrors, mm. like this. Oh, that was the weekend. weekend. That's the weekend. Oh, I'm thinking that oh one was trash. God, that one was trash. Totally yeah, different. that one was Sorry. a bit, but a that bit was much. during COVID though. So yeah, I was like, right, I got done watching that and I was confused. I was like, I don't know how I should feel right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a year or two ago. What the I thing with this halftime show versus Bruno Mars, no matter how amazing that show was, you just have too much potential with this, right? I mean, we got Eminem, we got Kendrick Lamar, you got Dr. Dre, you got Mary Snoop. J. Blige, Snoop Dogg versus Bruno Mars. Like, that's not fair, right? If Bruno yeah. Mars was with The Weeknd, was with, um, I don't know. No, they try to do that on every Super Bowl, though, but it's like, right? I think, I think this one production value wise it's like they have to just do something that just right. completely shits on everything also being in a brand, new, a stadium brand new stadium in la which is like the entertainment capital of the world hollywood yeah illuminati capital of the world yeah <laughs> word well where can people find you both on the interwebs uh you can go to my myspace at, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i'm just snuggle gummy bear on all platforms <laughs> yep chasing hammocks on instagram well thank you mason family and thank you all for listening to opening presents